We'll turn to uh, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We will con- continue our, our series on Joshua next week, but this week we look at a great uh, godly woman, a woman of great faith uh, from Luke, excuse me, Acts chapter 16, as we look at the life of Lydia. Lydia. So um, if you are using the Pew Bible, you'll find that in the ESV Pew Bible on 1177, in the NIV Pew Bible in the pew in front of you, 1721. You'll find those numbers in your outline. All right. Well, hear now the word of the Lord from Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Simothrace and the following day to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia in a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Now, if you'll flip over to verse chapter, or excuse me, verse 40, 1640, we read of Lydia again. This is after Paul and Silas have been released from prison. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. The grass withers, the flowers, they fade. These flowers will fade, but the word of our God will stand forever and forever. Let's pray. Father, it is our desire this morning not to be pointed to Lydia, as wonderful a woman as she was, but to be pointed again to our Savior. And just as you worked in her heart to um, uh, open her heart, to pay attention to what was said by Paul, that you might open our hearts as well to your word that your spirit might change us, renew us, and make us more like our Savior. We pray all these things in the name of our Redeemer. Amen. Well, I do like to always bring out my grandmother's Bible because it is, it is in tatters. And I, I applied the, the new tape this year so that I wouldn't lose the cover. Um, she was a very godly woman. And as I'm reminded from these verses uh, and from the lives of my mother and my two grandmothers, Um, and many, many godly women in my life, of the impact that a woman whose life has been transformed by the grace of God can have on a community and a family. We see that especially with Lydia's uh, story and her conversion this morning. I see it in my own mother. Uh, Today's her birthday too. Um, I see it in my mother who has walked with the Lord since childhood. And my mother's mother, And, you know, her love for her family was only eclipsed by her love for the Lord. And the silent witness, the quiet witness of my uh, other grandma, my father's grandmother, or excuse me, my father's mother, who came from a line long of preachers. Each of these women was, was blessed by conversion. See, they had all received the greatest gift of all that any man, woman, child could ever receive, and that was salvation. Their lives had been transformed, and as a result, they had an impact on their community and in their family that is still being felt generations later. Indeed, my own children will never have met my grandparents, uh, but they know 
their legacy because their family is walking with the Lord. So this morning, I'd like to look at Lydia as a case study of someone who didn't know Jesus, but who was transformed by his grace and then had a huge impact, not just on her family, not just on her community, but the church even enduring today. All right. Well, our text finds us in the middle of Acts 16, and this is in Paul's second missionary journey. So this would have been 48, 49 through 51. Those are the approximate dates that we have of the second missionary journey. The letter has been delivered to Antioch explaining how uh, what is required of Gentile believers. They're not going to be required of all the law. They're not going to be required to be circumcised. And, and so Paul had gone there with Barnabas and with John Mark and Silas as well. Uh, but there was a, a falling out between Barnabas, John Mark, and Paul. And Paul rather not take John Mark on the second missionary journey because he had left them in the first missionary journey. And so Paul takes Silas and he heads off in a different direction. And so they will go through Galatia and Phrygia. And in Galatia, they will pick up a young man named Timothy, who he looked at last Mother's Day. And it is here that they visit the churches that Paul has um, uh, planted and ministered to in his first missionary journey. But then something odd happens. They try to go into what is now called Asia Minor, into Turkey, but the Holy Spirit keeps them from going there. They try to go hither rather than yon, and they, they can't go. And so finally, Paul is asleep one night, and he has a vision, has a dream. And it is of a man of Macedonia, which is across the Aegean Sea, calling to Paul to come and to preach and to bring the gospel. Well, it is then that he picks up Luke. And so by the time they set sail and are heading to Neapolis uh, and then to Philippi, which is where our text finds us this morning, it is now Paul, Luke, who wrote Acts. You see that by a pronoun change where he starts saying we. So Luke, Paul, Acts, uh, Luke, Paul, Timothy, and Silas are the four main players. There may have been more, but those are the ones that we know their names. So they, they go across the Aegean Sea, they land in Neapolis, and for some reason they don't stay there, and they go to Philippi. Now Philippi is an important city for several reasons. First for us, it's the, it's the city upon which the book we're about to start studying focuses. We'll be looking at the, the letter to the Philippians soon, towards the end of this month, the beginning of next. But the text tells us it's important for other reasons. In the first, it says it is a leading city in the area. It is not the capital city. The capital city of Macedonia was Thessalonica. We know that one as well, don't we? Because of the two letters written to the Thel- those in Thessalonica. Um, so they, uh, um, they come, and they, they come into Philippi, a leading city of Macedonia. It is Ma- Philippi is an important city because it is on what's called the Ignatian Way, which is a road over 400 miles long, and it's an important road for trade. So Philippi then is a rich city because of the gold that is there. It is a city that has been... Um, that has flourished under the protection of different Caesars. And so it's an important city. It is a cultural hub. It is is an economic hub. It is a political hub. It is a hub for government. And it is here that God sends Paul. It's not only a leading city, as the text says. The text also tells us it's a Roman colony, which is important. So basically, it was an Italian city located elsewhere. 
cities that were located in the geographical realm of, of Italy re- received certain benefits. And so those who were born there were citizens of the Roman Empire, and they had rights to own land, and they were free from certain forms of taxes, and Philippi had been given this privilege. So when they arrive there, we see that God is going to do something pretty amazing. Because when they arrive there, there aren't any other Jews there, at least none really to speak of. There certainly are no Jewish men. It only took 10 Jewish men to start a synagogue, and we don't find one in Philippi. It was an important place and had great influence on the area. So the Lord was calling Paul to share the gospel in this city, and it would impact not just that city, but the entire area for the Lord Well, we meet a woman named Lydia. We know a little bit about Lydia. The first is that she was a Gentile from Thyatira. She was not a Jew. She was a Gentile. And Thyatira is important, besides just a name that's kind of fun to say. It's important because it's in Asia Minor, which is exactly where the Holy Spirit has forbidden Paul to go minister. And so God in his providence led her, led Lydia to move from Thyatira at some time in the past to come to Philippi where God was similarly going to send Paul so that she could hear the gospel and be converted. She had moved to, to Philippi because she was a seller of purple. Um, now, I think, I, I did not check this, but I think you can go to Walmart and buy a purple dye. I mean, that seems like a pretty common thing you can do, right? But, but not in those days. It took 8,000 mollusks to produce one gram of purple dye. That's a lot. And so because of that, only the exceedingly wealthy, only emperors, only those in government. In fact, if you're in the Senate, the only thing purple you had was a sash that was purple. It was so expensive, they'd only do a sash while the emperor himself would wear a purple robe. And so she had moved to Philippi to sell purple cloth, purple goods. And because of that, we know that she was a very wealthy woman. Where she was a very wealthy woman because she was not the one that was going and collecting the mollusks. She was a seller of purple cloth. She was a dealer in purple cloth. And because of that, she had a large house. Now that's going to become really important later in our time together this morning. She had a purple house, uh, excuse me, she might have had a purple house, but she had a big house too. <laughs> she had a big, big purple house. She had a big house, and as someone who had a big house, she would have room for Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy and all the other believers who would start coming to know the Lord, and they'd have somewhere to go. She was exceedingly influential as someone who had access to the upper crust had access to those who could afford to buy purple goods. She knew all the people to know. She was a mover and shaker. She was someone uh, that could introduce you to people. She knew all the right telephone numbers and where to go to meet whom. She was very influential. Not only that, she was a matriarch. She was a matriarch. We, we don't know anything about her husband. It is likely that she's a widow. Uh, we he, he may be living, but it's, it's, he probably is not. Otherwise, he would have been the seller, seller of purple. Perhaps she has taken over the family business, much like the Proverbs 31 woman. She is in business for herself. And she is a matriarch. She has an immediate family. She has a household. Uh, this household would have included servants and those who were attached uh, to her. We learned that in verse 15. 
The last thing we learn about Lydia, though, is that she's a worshiper of God. She's a worshiper of God. Now, this does not mean that she knows Jesus. She will by the end of the time this morning, but she, she didn't know Jesus yet. She was a Gentile, someone who had um, grown up in a pagan home and at some point had begun to worship the true and living God, the one God, the God of the Old Testament and the New. Um, but she would not have followed all the laws of Judaism. This is a technical word that is spoken of her here. There's much to commend Lydia. She seems like a, a wonderful woman. She'd be in church every Sunday if she were uh, living in our day. She, she would have driven a nice car. She would have known all the right people. She would have lived in a nice house. There's much to commend her to other people that she's a wonderful woman. But we read of a similar story in Philippians to whom Paul will write to this city. See, Paul himself was a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal of persecuted the church, as to righteous under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. She was a nice woman, but she didn't know Jesus. But she would very soon, as she would receive the best gift ever given, the gift of a living Savior who died that she might have life. We get this from verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Now, this is an odd place to pray down by the river. But it's likely that because of the purges in many Roman colonies, all the Jewish men had either been killed or driven out. And so all that was left was a small cadre, a small group of faithful Jewish women who would gather on the Sabbath on Saturday morning and would hear perhaps the scriptures read and would pray together. And so when Paul, Silas, Luke, and Timothy arrived in Philippi, not finding a synagogue as was their usual MO, they would usually go and preach in the synagogue. But this morning they didn't find one, so they went out to the river. And there were these faithful Jewish women. And it is here that Lydia received salvation. We see this in verse 14b. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. My mother has received many great gifts on Mother's Day. I don't really necessarily refer to the ones that I have given her. I I think perhaps I've given her good gifts, but um, she's always smiled and said thank you. Uh, But my father lavishes gifts upon my mother on Mother's Day. Uh, He gives her jewelry, he gives her photo books, he gives her trips. But, you know, the greatest gift that my mother ever received was salvation. And I ask you today, this Mother's Day, mothers, have you received this gift? Have you received the gift of salvation? For Lydia received it. Lydia received it. Salvation belongs to God. It is his. It is his property. It is a gift through and through. Jesus is the author and finisher of faith. There's nothing that made Lydia worthy of this gift. And there's nothing in you nor me. But God saved her out of his own initiative for his own glory, for the good of this woman whom he loved enough to send his only son Jesus to die for. Jesus died for Lydia. 
And this day that salvation was applied to her. He opened her heart. He opened her heart. Like any of us before salvation, her heart was closed, crusted over, locked tight, rusted shut, buried under the rubble of sin, shame, and delusion. She had certainly heard portions of the Old Testament read before, but today was different. Today was different. The scales came off her eyes. And for the first time she saw, and something was different about her hearing, for the first time she could hear. Have you seen these videos on YouTube or Facebook of people who receive cochlear implants for the first time or have their vision corrected. They've, they've, they're blind and have something very simple that can be corrected. And they videotape people who for the first time can hear their mother speak to them or can open their eyes and see their wife or their husband. And it's phenomenal. It's like new life has entered into the world. And this is exactly what happens in salvation. This is what happened to Lydia this day. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul was saying. God, the Holy Spirit, gave her the ability to understand freely freely the things given to us by God, 1 Corinthians 2. God opened her heart to hear for the first time, driving right through the years of pagan teaching she had heard as a child, shedding light to the idols that she had run after, piercing her heart of the guilt of her sin and her need of a Savior, and the Spirit made Jesus lovely. For in that moment, she knew her son, but she knew the forgiveness of Jesus. And she received the greatest gift of all. Her heart had been made ready. The Lord in his providence had moved Lydia all the way from Asia Minor to Philippi many years ago. The Lord had given her wealth and the ability to not be working in the fields on the Sabbath. And had given her the desire and the grace to drag the rest of her household out of bed that morning as they headed down to the river to pray. And there she met the Lord. And there she met the Lord. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the mother whose life has been changed by the grace of God and who has received salvation. Because here's the thing. The Lord was going to use Lydia to do amazing things, both in her family and in the community. We see this first with her family. Look, if you will, at verse 15. And after she was baptized and her house and her whole household as well. We'll do a dot, dot, dot there. We'll continue that in a second. Her immediate response was to be baptized. This is the faithful response of those who are not baptized as children. And so she called upon the Lord. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1 that he had not baptized very many people. So it is more than likely that Paul stood on the banks while Silas, Timothy, or Luke walked into the river with her. And he would have dipped his hand into the river and poured water over her head. And she would have received the sign of the covenant that her sins had been washed away. They had been washed away by Jesus. And now she receives the open and outward sign of her righteousness in Christ. But guess what? Who else is there with her? Her whole household. Lydia is there leading the way and behind her, her whole household is coming. We don't know how many this would have been, but certainly her immediate family and the servants who served under her house. And many of them had come to know the Lord too. And they were all baptized. Now this doesn't mean they all became Christians, though we probably should assume many did. Just like in the Old Testament when a, when a matriarch or a patriarch had been converted to Judaism, had been converted to, to belief in the one true God, And the male, the head male would receive the sign of circumcision and so would the whole household. And they would now be identified with the God of Israel. And this is exactly what's going on here. 
that Lydia has been converted and now her whole household is being identified with Christ Jesus. She was faithful not just to come to Christ. Well, Christ produces that. But she brought her family with her. Can you imagine the changed um, family dynamics? Suddenly the matriarch wasn't just selfish. Suddenly the matriarch was not just consumed with herself. Suddenly as one who had been transformed by the gospel, everything would have been different. Now the family members who didn't know anybody who knew Jesus, there was their mother, their grandmother, their master, whoever it was, she knew Jesus and would consistently and constantly be telling them all about her Savior. But the impact of such a godly woman, and we see in our own lives, the impact of a godly mother goes well beyond the bounds of her household. They go into the community as well. And we get this at the end of 15. She urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Now, uh, there's something going on in the Greek that's not really well translated in the English. It's not really able to. In, in the Greek, you can say if when you mean and. And so she's saying, because you find me to be a true believer in Christ, you've just baptized me. So because you've just found me to be a true believer in Christ, come to my house. Immediately upon her conversion, we see how the, how the Lord uses her to bless her community and to bless these missionaries who have traveled a long way to tell others about Jesus. Immediately we see her exercising hospitality and loving her neighbor and loving the sojourner, the stranger, and inviting them to come into her home. When the Lord arrives in a family, it changes everything. The Lord gave Lydia her house and she would now use it for kingdom extension. Indeed, these four men would stay with Lydia for their time in Philippi, a, a, a visit of some length. And moreover, and more importantly, her house would become the hub for believers. Look at verse 40. Again, we read it uh, a few minutes ago. After the cohort, after the cadre, the, the group of missionaries accepted her hospitality, they stayed some time, they would drive a uh, demon out of a servant girl, which would end, end them up in prison, uh, beaten and in prison. The Lord would miraculously flee free them, and the Philippian jailer would be converted. He and his whole household were baptized. Now, upon realizing that they were Roman citizens, the authorities got a little upset and were really scared. You couldn't beat a Roman citizen like they had, and so they asked them to leave. Now, before they leave, we read in verse 40, so they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed The NIV and other translations say they visited her house, which is the correct translation. They had gone back to the house, and do you see who's there at the house? The brothers. So far, we've only seen Lydia and the Philippian jailer definitely converted. And already there are other brothers in Christ. Already the Lord is using Lydia and the Philippian jailer and others to see his kingdom, to see his church spread. And by the time that, uh, that Paul and Silas, Luke and Timothy would take their leave of Philippi, there would be a small church located in the house of a seller of purple goods who just days, perhaps weeks before, 
did not know Jesus. We see that the life of a transformed mother affects not just her home, although it does greatly. It transforms and impacts a whole community. The Lord is gracious to use any of us and all of us for his glory. As I look back at my own life and I imagine you as well, you can trace um, the amazing blessings that have come from mothers who know and love the Lord as they point us to our Savior. The Lord opened her eyes that day, opened her heart to understand the things that Paul said. And may we all, mothers, fathers, children, whoever we are, pray that the Lord continue to open our hearts, that we might pay attention to his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the love that you lavished upon Lydia, upon her conversion. And Lord, we may we, um, we similarly have transformed lives that affect not just our households, but our communities as well. Even as we pray, come Lord Jesus, come quickly, amen.